the Wolverines are a no-show against the Buckeyes, Michigan fans scramble looking for answers, and the playoff committee gives Michigan a smidgen of hope at still making the college football playoffs. I'm Adam Amble, and this is The M Factor. Folks, welcome back to the M Factor after a weekend filled with turkey, family, friends, desserts, great times, all to come crashing down Saturday at noon. It was absolutely incredible. What a disappointment for the Wolverines this last weekend against Ohio State. And I'll tell you what, first and foremost, this is going to be a very difficult episode. I was severely let down just as much as the next guy. And I'll tell you what, this episode we will go over what happened during the game, what I see or what my opinion is going into the future for Harbaugh and the Wolverines, and we take a look at the playoffs because now they are a little bit jumbled, right? We have a little bit of a mix-up now for that fourth position. We will get into all of that, but first, if you have not yet, go over to iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, make sure you subscribe to The M Factor, just type in The M Factor in that search box and subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating. We really appreciate it. It really helps us with all of the rankings and stuff like that for sports podcasts. So really appreciate it. I appreciate all the shares and appreciate everyone this whole season. It has been a great season despite the end, and that pretty much let us down. I mean, what a tease all season, right, folks? Let's get into the game. First of all, I really want to do it quickly because there is not a lot of good things to talk about for this one. I will get into the overall stats and despite you, you just might want to, you know, fast forward for about five minutes because you don't want to hear any of these. I know most of you have seen it. Most of you have heard about it all week long. How many of the talk shows, how many of the sports shows have been discussing this all week long? And it started right Saturday night, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's still not over with the college sports world talking about this absolute debacle that Michigan put on display this last Saturday against the Buckeyes. Let's get right into it. It was Ohio State 62-39, to and to be honest with you, it was not even that close. The game was well in hand. Right off the bat, I'm not going to lie to you, sitting at the Sanford Lake Bar and Grill with a bunch of family and friends, it was a great turnout. We were all hopeful. We were all very nervous at the same time because we knew that Michigan could easily lose this game. Boy, did we not see this coming, though. I don't think there is many fans out there that really saw this absolute destruction of Michigan, and especially since you know us being favored, it was kind of a trap. You know, It was a little bit of false hope. And we will get into that here later in the episode. But 62-39, to you're going to tell me the offense is great. You can win with 39 points, but let's not forget, folks, they only had 19 going into the fourth quarter. So, you know, 20 points there were all mop-up in the fourth quarter. They scored 20 points when Ohio State was basically in their prevent defense just trying to keep the flow of the game going and stuff like that because I think they wanted it to end. It was actually a really long game. Some of the noon games were over already when Michigan and Ohio State were just, like there was still like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. So a really long game, and 62-39, uh, to 39, like I said, that doesn't even really, it could have been 80-20 to 20 if Ohio State really wanted to pour it on. Uh, thank God they didn't. They had a little bit of, <laughs> a little bit of non-Woody Hayes style respect for Michigan and downing the ball there at the end and stuff like that. So 
let's get into some of the just the overall stats. It was again, you know, I, I look at some of these offensive stats and do not forget that the that the majority of these from Michigan came in the fourth quarter. So first downs, it was 28-28. Third down, six of fourteen for Michigan, five of eleven for Ohio State. That's kind of that's kind of a deceiving statistic right there because we rarely it seemed like we rarely held them to a third down uh, because they were scoring at will, folks. We did have 401 yards total offense. Ohio State 567. Embarrassing, just absolutely embarrassing. Passing yards, Haskins 396 passing yards to 240 from Michigan. He was 20 of 31. Michigan went 23 of 38. Milton did get in there for a little bit. Peters did get in there for a little bit. So it wasn't all, it wasn't all Patterson. But Patterson was 20 of 34 himself. So not a great game for Patterson. And just look at this yards per pass, 12.8. They were getting a first down on every pass play. That's unbelievable. 6.3 from Michigan. Michigan with two INTs. Ohio State, zero. Rushing, it was 161 for Michigan, 171 for Ohio State on 4.8 yards of carry. Almost Again, almost five yards of carry for Ohio State and against this number one ranked defense and it's unbelievable that we even after this game we are still ranked number one in deep in total defense just kind of goes to show you we are kind of beaten up on lesser teams all year and then we finally face a really really good offense in Ohio State and they simply just run past anything they want to do against us we'll go over some of the some of the key takeaways from the game here after the stats and stuff like that because I really want to get through these Penalties was 7 of 72 for Michigan, 12 for 150 for OSU. I really think this is the first game. Of course, it had to come in a blowout, but this was the first game I've seen in a long time where the actual refing was pretty consistent. I was not disappointed in it. Of course, Ohio State had more penalties, but they were also playing much more physical, much more aggressive. I think that's what really you know, cost them the loss in the penalty category. But if there was one stat that they lost in, it was only the penalties. And that was not, it was not even close. Turnovers, Michigan 2, Ohio State did have, gave us that glimmer of hope at the end of the first half there where they fumbled that kickoff. We recovered and scored quickly. But other than that, it was complete domination by Ohio State. It was embarrassing to be a Michigan fan. I can only imagine what it was like to be a player. They outmanned us, they outcoached us, they were better prepared. And Pure and simple, they just look like they had the superior athletes, and I don't really, I can't really downplay that because it certainly looked like it, and they probably do. It looked like they were just faster. They have adapted to the modern college football game of speed, speed, speed. And again, we'll get into that a little bit later, but speed kills. We say it time and time again. Speed kills, especially in the modern era. We are no longer in the Woody Hayes, Bull Schembechler, 10-year war era where you run it in a cloud of dust and just try to overpower the other team. This is an era of high-scoring offenses, and if you have even a decent defense, you will win these big games, and that's really what it is. We've praised Michigan's defense and, uh, quite frankly, their offense all year long, but they really haven't played a team like Ohio State. I was wrong. Uh, a lot of my analyses were wrong because I honestly thought that we were going to come out with a win. I thought we were going to come ready to play. I thought we were going to make adjustments if we needed to. That clearly did not happen. And it was, like I said, it was absolutely embarrassing. And like it's very tough to do this show. I apologize if I sound a little down. I'm sure most of you are. 
and if you if you want to fast forward, I will totally understand if you want to do that because we're going to get into the individual stats right now. Well, like I mentioned, Shea Patterson, 20 of 34, 187 yards. Dwayne Haskins, 20 of 31, 396 yards, six touchdowns. That's a QBR of 93.6. He's been doing it all season, folks. We had no doubt that Ohio State's offense was this good. I just didn't think that they they would outman us like they did. Michigan rushing, Karan Higdon, 15 carries, only 72 yards. It was dismal to run, and again, I will get into the play calling here in a little bit. So Ohio State rushing, Weber had a nice game. The Michigan native actually out of Detroit, 13 carries, 96 yards. He did have a touchdown himself. Michigan receiving, Nico Collins, this was the one bright spot because Nico Collins, four receptions, 91 yards. He had two TDs, great catches too. Fantastic catches. A couple of them, they they had to be reviewed, and they were deemed touchdowns. So great job by Nico Collins on that aspect of the game. DPJ, kind of non-existence. He did have seven receptions, 64 yards. And Chris Evans had the one touchdown catch, but he had three receptions for 25 yards. How about our tight end gentry there? Sure-handed most of the season. Like I said, for all of the season, Michigan receiving has been solid in catching the ball. They've been solid in no drops. They've been solid in making the, you know, I'm not going to say major plays, but just be consistent. Like I mentioned when the year started, as a Michigan offense, don't lose the game. Don't lose the game for your defense. And, again, that attitude is going to have to change because of the way that college football has clearly changed. And I really think this last weekend really opened up a lot of Michigan fans' fans' eyes in terms of, uh, you know, it just kind of just kind of took the blindfold out of our eyes, and we are starting to realize that the game has changed, and typical old-school Michigan football is not going to work if you want to beat the big teams, if you want to beat the guys that you need to beat, and that is Ohio State, right? No one, I think, disagrees with that. That is not what we did this last weekend. We did not adapt at all. But anyway, Gentry had three major drops this last weekend. That is the negative M factor of the game. I know you can say the defense, but those three drops really kind of took the momentum out of our sale uh, because one was a touchdown. We could have we were trading field goals for touchdowns there early on, and that was kind of you know just kind of beat us down because if you can't punch it in the end zone, they had a trouble against Indiana. The same thing. So if you can't punch it in the end zone to start, like Ohio State could then obviously you dig yourself a nice little hole there. And to be honest with you, at the start of the game, I was confident that if we could get the ball in the end zone, we'd be solid. But after watching the the start of the third quarter and the fourth quarter, it was clear that there, we were just outmatched. So I don't know if it really would have mattered, but at the time it felt very huge over those gentry, those gentry drops there, those three drops for, for him and, and very uncharacteristic of our receiving core. And it was just very disappointing. So negative M factor definitely goes out to the drops of the receiving core. And I'm sorry to say about Gentry specifically for that that negative award, if you want to call it that. On the positive side, all I can say is I will give uh, one M factor out to, I got to give it to Jake Moody. Again, two of two, three of three for extra points. He didn't miss at all. Looked like solid kits. It was only one, his long was 39. But still, you know, that's that's pretty decent for a college kicker. And two of two, so he continues his streak, eight for eight on the season. 
Quinn Nordine's done, I think. I think Jake Moody is easily, especially on the big stage, has proved that he can hit it and he's not he's not intimidated. He's just like we mentioned, he's just a cool customer. So Jake Moody gets the M factor and that's really all I can give out. Again, I'm still just a little disgusted at the display the Michigan Wolverines put on this last Saturday. So we've been hearing all week on what went wrong, what went well for the Buckeyes, and what went wrong for Michigan. Well, let me give you my take. And the first take is it looked like we were flat coming out of the gate. We had one great run off tackle to Higdon right off the bat. He gains a solid eight yards, and it was looking good. Like I mentioned, we had a great crowd over at the Sanford Lake Bar and Grill. Great place. Appreciate them having us every year. My uncle said that this was somewhere in the almost almost 25 years or something like that, 25 years straight of the family heading to that bar. But Higdon right off the bat, you know, we received Higdon right off the bat, right off tackle. And then what do we do? Play action, and we get sacked. And that really set the tone, I felt, for the rest of the game from the offensive standpoint anyway. Why? Because we tried those plays over and over and over again. We did not adapt at all, and I'm just talking specifically on offense because we had obviously our problems on defense. I'll get to that in a little bit. But on offense, over and over, right up the middle, stuff, right up the middle, stuff. Okay, third and long, then we have to put Shea Patterson in an obvious pass situation, and what happens? He's forced out of the pocket, has to make an amazing throw or force the throw, or throw off his back foot and throw it short. You know, how many times did you see him sh- throw the ball short where if he would have put it on the money, that could have been a touchdown, but that was not the case. And if you noticed a lot of the times that I got to give Shea a little bit of a little bit of grief on this, because if you watched a lot of those plays, he could have easily stepped up into the pocket and made a nice solid throw, you know, step into the throw. I call this the Joey Harrington effect because if you guys remember back when Joey Harrington played for the Lions, and of course the Lions went down this last weekend too, so not a great sports weekend for uh, Michigan fans despite the basketball team winning, so great job by Beeline and those guys. But anyway, the Joey Harrington effect is basically when your offensive line is you just have no faith in your offensive line or the defensive line is just that insanely good to where you are always thrown off your back foot, you're always rushing, you have no faith to step up. You have that non, you just don't have that feel that you can step up into the pocket. And that's what Shea Patterson looked like on Saturday. He had many opportunities to just take one step up, one step up, and he could have given himself another three seconds to throw the ball, could have stepped into the throw, could have made a lot better throw because, like I mentioned, a lot of those throws were short. And that comes from throwing off your back foot. I know as a former quarterback, throwing off your back foot, obviously a no no. You get nothing on the ball, you get no zip. And and speaking of zip, how about Milton? It shows uh, that there's one good thing about the game. It was Milton sure does have a cannon. I'll tell you what, he did throw that interception. It was to the wrong guy, but good Lord, that was a 40-yard strike right down the middle. So that the future looks bright for Michigan from the quarterback position. But Shea Patterson, I just wish he would have stepped up in the pocket a few more times. And don't get me wrong, he is a playmaker. But again, he couldn't even escape the Ohio State rush. I mean, Ohio State had three sacks on the day to Michigan's zero. So great job again on the defense on not getting in there. But I'll have my own little session about the defense here in a bit. So back to the offense. This is a very, very concerning thing for me for Michigan's future. And this does go back to Harbaugh. This does go back to the offensive coordinator. This goes back to coaching. When are we going to open up this playbook? You have the athletes. you got DPJ. 
you got Chris Evans, you got Nico Collins, you got Tariq Black, even Ronnie Bell actually had a solid game in terms of of uh, receiving. But you got these guys that can fly. These guys are fast, and you cradle them in, and you put basically a box around them and say these are the patterns you're going to run, and that is ridiculous. I mentioned it before. This is kind of the theme of the M Factor this week is adaptation. Jim Harbaugh has not adapted in the four years that he has been at Michigan. He continues to try to run this power offense along with the, you know, this this read option, which has worked. Again, I was not critical of it all year long until I saw what it actually did against a, a decent Ohio State defense because they sure showed that uh, they, they, like I said, they made all the adjustments and Michigan did not. Ohio State defense, you got to give them a little credit too because they adjusted. They've been told all year long that they are not that good. The, the stats show that they are not. They were not that decent. And maybe Michigan came in a little overconfident that we could run all over them. Remember, I, I remember listening to all of the pregame sports talk all week long, and Michigan was supposed to own both the offensive and defensive trenches. Down in the trenches, both O-line and D-lines were supposed to dominate this game. Well, it was 180, the exact opposite of what everyone predicted. We're talking pretty much everyone because I myself, remember, I, I predicted a, what, a 17-point win for Michigan. I expected us to be able to run the ball. I thought Higdon was going to have a huge game, and I thought our defensive line was just going to destroy Ohio State's offensive line and force Haskins out of the pocket and force him to run a little bit. Boy, did he not have to do that, I'll tell you. He had all day to throw. Like I said, zero sacks. I don't even think there was a, a hurry. I don't even think there was one hurry for, for Haskins. He stood back there for seven seconds, eight seconds on, on occasion and could easily just dump off that football on the underneath route, which we saw against Indiana that killed us, and it killed us even more against Ohio State with a good team. And the failure to adapt to the modern era of football of you got to spread it out, you're going to have to score a lot of points. That is that is the way we go. Urban Meyer absolutely put on a coaching clinic this last weekend. And like I said, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for me to say it. I don't like to say it, but he put on a coaching clinic for Jim Harbaugh and his staff. He shows what well, you got to be kidding me. I mean, Jim Harbaugh has the athletes. Shea Patterson, I think, could be a very, very good quarterback if you release him a little bit, if you allow him to do what he came to Michigan to do. You got Evans now. Higdon will be gone, but you'll have Evans. You'll have True Wilson. I think True Wilson will probably get more time than Evans in the backfield. But again, you need some guys, and Chris Evans is awesome out of the backfield at receiving. So you need those guys that can come out of the backfield and spread the defense out a little bit. Let's spread them out. You got Nico Collins. You got DPJ. You got Ronnie Bell. You got Tariq Black. All those guys are speedsters, and you need to cut them loose. You need to cut them loose. You need to adapt. Harbaugh needs to adapt or he will never, he will never beat Ohio State. He may be one in 10, maybe I'll, I'll give him that. I'll give him one and one win might even be a gift after this last weekend because this was his biggest chance on the biggest stage with the most at stake. And he laid a goose egg and he did take responsibility, but of course he better because it was disgusting. The play calling disgusting. The preparation appeared to be disgusting. The adjustments or lack thereof, there was none. There was zero, zero adjustments. If you can name me one, please let me know. Again, write me on Facebook, shoot me a text. We'll go over it. Uh, there won't be a show until the bowl game probably, which, you know, who knows what that is going to be. 
uh, they probably still will have a New Year's Day Bowl or New Year's Six Bowl. So we'll go over that in a little bit. But tell me one adjustment that coaching staff made all game long. There wasn't one. There was not a single adjustment made. They come out in the second half. What do they try to do? First down, run up the middle. What happened to the off-tackle runs? What happened to the off-tackle runs that Maryland had such a successful time with? Maryland had over, what, 200 yards rushing against Ohio State and almost won that game. Almost won that game, and they should have won that game. Could you imagine if we had had the same success running the football? And why didn't we use those plays? Oh, no, because we're stubborn, because Harbaugh is a stubborn coach and his staff is stubborn. We felt superior to Ohio State coming into this game for the first time in a long time, and boy, did they put us right in our place. And I am not ashamed to admit that. They put us right in our place. I will give credit to where credit is due, and that is to the Ohio State coaching staff and the players for executing to a T exactly what they were brought to Ohio State to do. Those guys showed to be far better athletes than anyone on the Michigan squad. Can you guys name me a Michigan player that stood out this last Saturday? Like I said, I I can't even give an M factor to anyone except for Jake Moody because he was consistent. I mean, I gave it to the kicker. Two field goals, I gave it to a kicker. I can't name a single person that stuck out this last weekend. And I'm sorry, that just is not the way we need to go. I know most of us want that classic Michigan football, right? We've seen it all season. It was against weaker opponents. And, you know, looking back, we were kind of in our bubble of we are good. We are that good. Trust me, guys, you can go back and listen to any one of my podcasts this last year, and you will hear the praise from me. I'm first to admit it. I'm the first to admit that I thought that this team was a lot, lot better than what they showed last Saturday, and I thought they could definitely compete in that top four. Well, you know, if, if there is a positive M factor for the game overall, at least we don't have to play Alabama now, right? At least we don't have to be just absolutely embarrassed by them because we probably won't even score against Alabama. And they would probably put up just as many points as Ohio State did on us. So we could have been blanked by Alabama. So there, there's our positive M factor for the game is that we don't have to play Alabama now in the playoffs. But what a disappointment on offense. And the main disappointment, again, not to the players. Gentry did have a few key drops, but to the coaching staff and not being able to adjust And really, that is the MO for the last four years. We'll get into a little more of the Harbaugh story here coming up because I want to shift over to the defense. Now, what happened to our number one ranked defense? Is it because we've been playing scrubs all year long? Is that it? Is that because we've been playing not the best of talented in terms of of competition? That may be. That absolutely may be because we face the, the number two offense in the country in the Ohio State Buckeyes. And they showed it. They debacled us. And I go to the exact same thing as I did on the Michigan offense of the lack of adjustments. There was zero. Ohio State came in with a perfect game plan to exploit the fact that we play man-to-man and that we blitz a lot. Well, guess what? When you're in man-to-man and you blitz a lot, you leave the middle of the field wide open. And what do they do? They dump the ball underneath and they pick on the least talented player out there on the field. I feel bad for Watson out there because he was left on an island with the best wide receiving core that Michigan has faced all year. He was left out there on an island, and I I honestly really felt bad for him because they were just picking on him all game long. But it wasn't just him. It was the entire Michigan defense. Their running backs, their wide receivers, their tight ends, they all seemed to be faster than the person that was covering them, and especially at the linebacker position. I know we have Bush. I know we have a solid linebacking core, 
but these are guys that come up and hit you. They hit you. They're strong. They're tough. They are not speedsters. They, they need to adapt. You will never beat a team like Ohio State if you do not have linebackers that have the speed to be able to cover these guys. Look what happened. We were five steps behind these guys. I mean, I could have been out there dumping these passes off. One, because I would have had the protection. And two, these guys were wide open. These guys were wide open. And then the big thing is once they're that wide open, Haskins would hit them. And then they turn that little six, seven-yard dump pass across the middle. They'd turn that into about a 70-yard gain almost every time. And it was just despicable. I mean, you could see it. These coaches from Michigan, I know they see it. You know, I don't know why they would not make the adjustment. Uh, they get paid way more than we do to sit sit behind a TV and watch these games and claim that we know exactly more than they do. But this was obvious, folks. I think there was 99.9% of Michigan Nation called this and called the game while it was happening and literally said, everyone that I've spoken with the last week, my family and friends at the watch party, all said the same thing. We all saw it. And how in the heck do we not make the adjustments? How do we not make it during the first quarter, during the second quarter, halftime for sure. Normally we make the adjustments at halftime. Don Brown's a genius at doing that, but I don't know what the deal is. Was It, it almost was like this game was fixed. It was unbelievable how obvious it was that we did not make the adjustments in Ohio State. If you're a coach in baseball and you throw curveballs and the players can't hit curveballs, guess what you're going to do? You're going to keep throwing curveballs, aren't you? Ohio State just played the same thing over and over and over again. And we, I hope we knew it was coming because if we didn't, then that is even worse of a coaching job than I originally thought. But if you don't see that stuff coming, then we have a problem. If we don't make the adjustments, we will have a problem. And not just you know this year because if, if we get into the Rose Bowl, it looks like we'll probably be playing Washington and Washington's another speedy team, what happens then? I mean, what would be your prediction for Michigan versus Washington, a very speedy team, probably probably equal to speed as Ohio State? I know they play in the Pac-12, but equal in speed as Ohio State, not good. Will we make the adjustments then, or we will lay another goose egg in the Rose Bowl, which would be embarrassing? It would be great. It would be awesome to get back into the Rose Bowl. But where are these adjustments that – you know, where were the adjustments? Don Brown's been making these adjustments all season long. What did he just decide not to against Ohio State? And it was obvious, folks. It was obvious. I know all of you saw it. I know all of you agree with me. This is not even up for question. All of you agree with me. There were zero adjustments. So my question to you guys are, name me one player, one player that stood out for you on Michigan offense or defense or special teams. You can't do it. Name me one adjustment that you saw that Michigan offense, defense, or special team has made. Again, this game could have been 80 to 19, 80 to 14, 80 to 10 if they wouldn't have given us that gift before halftime. 80 to 10, and they wouldn't have let up on the brakes. It could have easily been 80 to 10. Remember when we scored that touchdown after that fumbled kick? What happened? Ohio State drove the ball in like, what, 30 seconds down to the goal line? We had to make a goal line stand for them to kick a field goal? I mean, come on. Unbelievable. It's just disgusting that we did not show up to play this game. Like I said, for Harbaugh, the biggest stage, the most on the line, especially on, for him, this might have been the biggest game of his career. You can call the Super Bowl probably his biggest game of his career, but in terms of college, this this had to be his biggest game. One, he could finally get over the hump and beating Urban Meyer. He could finally get Michigan and this Ohio State rivalry back on track and maybe maybe kind of kind of turn the corner a little bit and make it a little more even, give us a little bit of hope could have went to the Big Ten Championship for the first time in school history. 
win that and you're in the playoffs for the first time in school history. A lot was on the line, the most on the line, and we laid that goose egg. I'll tell you another positive M factor about this game was we weren't nervous throughout the game. I mean, honestly, we, I know my, my mother was, was dying basically before the game all week. Uh, all week, most of us were just on pins and needles ready for this game. We're like a kid on uh, Christmas Eve, not uh, wasn't able to sleep the night before. I was so hyped for this game. I was ready for it. And it's it's a shame the fans were more ready for it than the coaches, than players, it, it appears. And I'm not going to get, I, you know, I'll, I'll take that back. The, the players played their hearts out. I know they don't ever give less than 100%. But our just our schemes, our game plan was just not there, and it hasn't been there against our rivals for Harbaugh's era. Now let's let's talk about a little bit about Harbaugh because again, the Boo Birds come out for Harbaugh, right? Get rid of them. You can't win the big games, and you know, let's see, he went one and two against his rivals this year against a very subpar Michigan State team. Very, very subpar. Boy, they looked awful this last Saturday. They had to come back win against Rutgers in front of the dozens of Spartan fans at Spartan Stadium up there. And, uh, boy, that that just must have been a boring game. I think they were selling tickets for like 7 bucks for that game. I think that's what I heard. So I And I'm, I'm not going to throw stones at Michigan State this last weekend because uh, my, my frustration lies solely with our Michigan squad. But for the future of Harbaugh, it is very, very tough to swallow this one. And like I said, this was a major coaching flaw. One, it totally shows that Urban Meyer is a much better coach. Why? Because of that word, adaptation. Urban Meyer has always been an offensive genius, no doubt. He made the adjustments before the game even started. He watched that Michigan-Indiana game and watched Indiana exploit us on that underneath route. And guess what? That's what they came right out with, right right off the bat. There was like four plays right off the bat that Haskins just dumped it right off to the receiver crossing the middle, a little delayed route. Why? Because we kept playing man-to-man. Man-to-man. Even even the announcers have said Michigan's going to have to go to zone. Well, they rarely did. I think they played zone maybe four or five times because they would get toasted. And why is that? No pressure on the quarterback. Another, this was unbelievable how much, how the lack of pressure on the quarterback equated to 62 points for Ohio State. And like I said, it could have been more. It could have been much more. So, for Harbaugh and the future, this was a this was a kind of must-win game. Uh, there's no way I want him fired because we're gonna look back and we're gonna say ten and two. Ten and two is a great, great regular season. Problem with that is, were you brought in to go ten and two? I'm a little torn on this, and this is another question I want you guys to answer. Are you a little torn on the ten and two, or would you rather go, uh, you know, eight and four and beat Ohio State? Now, some of the older crew, some of, again, some of the older fans uh, or people, even people, even listeners my age, they might want that. They want that Ohio State win. But a lot of the younger listeners, I guarantee they don't really care. They want that 10-2 and two season. I would lean towards that. I would say they want that 10-2 and two season and a loss at Ohio State, no big deal. 10-2 and two is a great season. Why? Because they've never beat Ohio State. Like I said, if you are 21 years old, 20, 20, 21, 22 years old, you've only beat Ohio State twice in your life. In your life. That's not a rivalry, folks. So what the heck do they care? They wouldn't care if we beat Ohio State. I, I know they want to beat Ohio State. I know they wanted to win this last one, this one last Saturday. But guess what? It's just another game for them now. It's just another loss, basically. Because Ohio State has dominated this rivalry since they've been born. Unbelievable. So for Harbaugh, you really got to ask yourself, what is it worth? He was brought here to win Big Ten championships. He has not done that. He has his team now. You know, he's four years in. 
and he's had three 10 win seasons now, three 10 win seasons, and what, an eight and five season last year. 10 win season, three 10 win seasons. That's very, very good when you look at it on paper. Then you look at it on paper and you say, oh my goodness, 0 4 against Ohio State, 2 2 against Michigan State, and now he's 0 1 against Notre Dame. So our three biggest rivals. Uh, not so good. And his two wins against Michigan State were against subpar Michigan State teams. And I'm not taking anything away from those because rivals are rivals, right? Even though there are our, our smaller rival, but I'll tell you what, I'll take them at the same time though. Jim Harbaugh was brought to Michigan to win these big games, to turn the attitude around from Rich Rod and Brady Hope and get these athletes in here where, I mean, where he brings in some solid athletes. You're going to tell me that DPJ and Shea Patterson, that these guys are not great athletes. I mean, no, no, I don't, I don't buy that for a second. Use them. How can you not use them to their potential? This is it. That's embarrassing. That's exactly what Brady Hoke did. Brady Hoke brought in great recruiting classes. Don't forget, he was top 10 pretty much every year that he was head coach for Michigan. He was top 10 in recruiting in the nation. And guess what? Throws up goose eggs. He got worse every single year. I don't like the critics stating that, oh, Jim Harbaugh is is just like Brady Hoke because Brady Hoke did win a BCS game. He did bring us the Sugar Bowl, right? Don't forget, that was his first year. He got progressively worse as the seasons went on or as his career at Michigan went on. So for Jim Harbaugh, he started off with a 10-win season with not his players, then had another 10-win season with, again, a, a shady quarterback in spate. Last year was just a debacle with the quarterback position. Finally gets a solid quarterback this year, and they go 10-2 and in the regular season. They have a chance to go 11-2, and folks. 11-2 and is not a bad season, but what is important to you? Would you rather have that one win against Ohio State and go, you know, not go to a bowl? I don't know. That's a very tough question for me because I'm kind of on the edge. You know, let's face it, for two-thirds of my life, Ohio State has been dominating this, this rivalry, and I, I really don't know. I almost rather, I, I'll say go... I'll say go 11-1 and one in the regular season with a loss against Ohio State, but still, gosh, I want to beat them. And the problem is that Ohio State game is always at the end of the season, so you know that is going to have playoff implications. If you are 10-0, and 0, or pardon me, 11-0 and 0 going into that game, guess what? And you go 11-1, and 1, you lose that game, you're not going to go to the playoffs. You can't lose this late in the year unless apparently you're Alabama or uh, basically just Alabama. Alabama is allowed one loss, apparently. They get they get a bye on one loss for whatever reason. I know you guys have heard my rants about the SEC the last couple of weeks. So regardless, would you rather have a 11-1 Michigan team or a 8-5 Michigan team with a win against Ohio State? It's, re- it's really tough for me. I know some of you are probably 100% one way. Others of you are probably 100% the other way. It's really tough for me. I'm kind of on the fence of that. But when you look back at Jim Harbaugh, back to the question of what I think Jim Harbaugh's future is, one, he has to adapt. He has the players. He has the players to do it. You can't tell me he doesn't have the players to do it. These guys are solid five-star athletes. They have the speed. On defense, he needs to start recruiting a little quicker spots at linebacker. He needs to get some quick guys at linebacker because you're never going to beat a team like Ohio State with the linebackers they have now. Again, adapt to the current style of play for college football. You have to do this. If he does not, then, you know, not only, I don't think he's going to get fired, but he'll lose the Michigan fan base. He'll lose Michigan fan base. And once you start to do that, this was our guy. You know what I mean? This is, this still is our guy. I still have faith in Jim. I still have faith in coach. And I'll tell you what, once you start to lose not only my faith, but a lot of you Michigan fans faith out there, 
that's when you got that's when you hit the hot seat that's when you really really hit the hot seat and you better watch out for your job and and I feel bad too because this guy was supposed to be our savior right Harbaugh was supposed to be our savior and he really hasn't lived up to the expectations of beating Ohio State and going to a Big Ten championship. That was the expectation. Not 10 win seasons, not going 10-2 and two in the regular season, not winning 11 games. You know, the majority of the fan base, I think, would rather beat Ohio State than go 11-1 and one with that one loss against Ohio State. I really do. I, I honestly believe that. Let me know your thoughts on that, though. Let me know. We'll go over them. We might have another episode next week, if not in two weeks. Um, so we can kind of melt down some of the questions that I've asked today. And there's been a lot of them. But I really want to hear your guys' opinion on that because I think Jim Harbaugh's future, at least next year, is safe. You know, they're not going to fire him. Michigan's not going to fire him. I still have a lot of faith in him. I know you got, a lot of you guys do as well. But let me know what you guys think about Jim Harbaugh. Do we fire him? Do we give him another year? You know, next year at least we get Ohio State at home. But pff, apparently that hasn't mattered because, again, Harbaugh has not beat Ohio State. So what do we do? Let me know your guys' opinions on that. Write me on Facebook, text me, leave me emails, you know, stuff like that. I really appreciate it, and I really want to go over them next week or the week after because I think it would be really fun. And to be honest with you, I really want to know where the M-Factor fans really lean. Do you lean towards that that 8-5 and five season where we beat Ohio State, or do you lean towards that 11-1 and one season where we lose to Ohio State? And still just a, an amazing season. You know, most college teams would kill for double digits in the win column for the regular season. 10-2, and two, that's a good season. 50 years from now, you'll look back and be like, wow, Michigan had 10 wins and 3 out of 4. But look who they lost to at the end of the season. Every year. Every year. If you're going to chalk that up for a loss at the end of the season, as I continue to do this episode, I'm, I'm really starting to lean towards going 8-5 and five and beating Ohio State. Just getting that game more intense because right now it is not exciting. It was so exciting. Fox did a great job of hyping it up pregame, and then we just lay the goose egg. Harbaugh, coaching staff, just get absolutely outcoached. Players, outplayed. Preparation, outprepared. It was unbelievable. And I know you guys saw it too. I'm sure some of you probably turned it off early. I'm sure some of you probably left early. But I don't blame you at all. And that goes to the word of the episode, adaptation. Not just for the bowl game. Not just for this season. Harbaugh needs to start proving that he can adapt to the current style of play in college football. Look at Saban. Look at Urban Meyer. I would assume he's not filled with so much pride that he cannot try to mimic these guys. Again, he has the athletes. He has the athletes to do this. Maybe this absolute debacle last Saturday is actually a good thing. Maybe this actually opened his eyes. Maybe he woke up from this dream that he could run a standard Michigan offense that has been ran for a century and let his players play. Let his players open it up. Maybe it is that time. Maybe this finally opened his eyes up and next year or the bowl game, he opens it up and shows that he does have the athletes and shows what these guys can really do. I hope so because if not, next year could be a long season. We'll probably mop up with the weaker teams, but don't forget we have Notre Dame at home. We do have Notre Dame at home. We get Michigan State at home. We get Ohio State at home. We got Penn State away, so that'll be another tough one. Always a tough place to play over there. But I really want to see. I hope this was an eye-opener for him. I hope that people, you know, just kind of, you know, maybe he's been, it'd be awesome if he was just like in a daze for the last four years, and then suddenly, pop, this just woke him up, and he said, something's got to change. He's been so stuck in his ways the last four years, and this last game really proved it. What happens when you play, one, a great team, two, a great team on the road, three, your biggest rival, and you are not ready to play. 
and you have not adapted to the current style of play like Ohio State has, like Alabama has, like Clemson has. Even Notre Dame has kind of opened it up a little bit. So your thoughts on Harbaugh and his future, let me know, and his inability to adapt or make adjustments, and his coaching staff too. You know, Harbaugh's not the only one. These other guys, like I said, Brown, love the guy to death. I love his enthusiasm. I love his intensity, and I used to love his adjustments. He made zero. Don Brown made zero adjustments last Saturday. That's on Don Brown. And I hate to say this because all year long we've been trapped in a bubble, right? We've been trapped in a bubble. If we thought we are better than we actually are, and I'll be the first to admit I I was trapped in that bubble. You go back to all the M Factor episodes, and I am praising Michigan. I'm praising Harbaugh. I'm praising that defense. I'm praising Shea Patterson, Karan Higdon, all those guys, the offensive line improvements. Every week I thought we were getting better and better and better. Maybe we're just playing weaker and weaker teams. I hope that's not the case, but it could be. So let me know your thoughts on all the topics we just covered because it is time to get into the wacky, wacky playoff rankings that came out this week. And unbelievably, Michigan only drops three spots, folks. Three spots, and that is very, very generous. And what does this set up, you might ask? Well, what if football Armageddon occurred this Saturday? You could have Oklahoma lose to Texas. Again, Oklahoma has already lost to Texas once this year. That game is at a neutral site this year. It is at noon this Saturday. Tune into that to see if Texas can pull off another miracle against Oklahoma. Oklahoma looking tough on offense. And of course, the dreaded Big 12 defense, of course, kidding there. But then you go on to the second game, and that is Alabama versus Georgia. I think Alabama rolls over Georgia with ease, therefore putting Georgia out of the playoff picture. And then you get the night game, the Big 10 championship game, Northwestern versus Ohio State. And if Northwestern can somehow pull off the upset against Ohio State, guess who's sitting there at possibly number four again? at the end of the season without playing in a conference championship. That's right, folks, the boys in blue, right? The boys in blue could miraculously, a miracle, make it to the college football playoff still if something like that happened. We'll see the committee on Sunday. We'll see what they decide if football Armageddon occurred this Saturday. I do not think it's possible, but you never know. Stranger things have happened, and if those three teams lose in front of Michigan, the committee puts Michigan at number seven, dropping only three spots after giving up 62 points to Ohio State. They could end up making the college football playoffs over Ohio State because Ohio State only moved up a couple spots. So Ohio State is six, Oklahoma at five, and then Georgia's at four. But I think Georgia gets whomped by Alabama this weekend, and that's pretty much done for them. So if that does not occur and Ohio State ends up beating Northwestern, and I really do, I think Texas has a great shot against Oklahoma. If that does occur, then Ohio State will more than likely go to the college football playoff, and that sets up very, very well for Michigan and going to the Rose Bowl, probably playing Washington, and that could be a tough game. You know, Washington, like I mentioned earlier, shows their speed, and it is a very, very quick team up there in the, the Pacific Northwest there for the Huskies. So Just keep all of that in mind this Saturday when you're watching these games. Uh, There'll be some good games, so I'm still looking forward to them. And, you know, I've been down the whole episode, but there is a glimmer of hope as Michigan just destroyed North Carolina in basketball this week. So that kind of helped. Almost allowed less points than Michigan football did this last weekend to North Carolina. So great job, Beeline. Great job, Michigan basketball, for kind of picking us up out of the dumps again because uh, it was was sorely needed after this last weekend's whomping by the Buckeyes. But... With that, folks, this will be the last regular season episode of the M Factor for football. I would like to put out some episodes for the basketball season. I, I, I probably will. You guys will know first and foremost when I do. 
or if I plan to do one that week, we are creating a Facebook fan page for the M Factor. There will be a Twitter Facebook fan page for the M Factor. So please go subscribe to those. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. And we will be creating that M Factor website very, very soon here so we can we can all, you know, kind of keep all the conversations and stuff together because right now it's kind of tough with all the different forms of communications that we have going on with these weekly questions and stuff like that. So once again, for the regular season, I really appreciate all of you fans out there, all of you listeners. We got them from all around the world, all around the United States, some cities that I have no idea who is listening to, to the M Factor in some of these cities, but I really appreciate it. I hope you guys continue to listen. I hope you guys enjoyed the season. It was still a very good season. 10-2 and two, going into a bowl game, a very good bowl game. Let's keep it going. We are not bandwagon fans, folks. We are Michigan fans. We're Michigan Wolverines. Go Blue. I'm Adam Amble, and this is The M Factor. Yeah.